You have to, as the church, be able to see what the people around you can't see. You have to be able to see that after this death called COVID-19, there will be a resurrection that will glorify the Lord our God in heaven. Man, worship team, great job, you guys. Today's sermon, you know, um, is not going to be like uh, the most intellectual of sermons. If that's what you're looking for, you're at the wrong church anyways. <laughs> we record this after and I look at the pockets of people who are laughing a little too loud there. They're like, yeah, we know. I think that this sermon is going to be kind of more like a, like a big hug. I'm kind of a hugger. It's okay to get a hug from your pastor. You know what you really need sometimes is you just need to, you're all worked up about your life and God's like sitting on the couch watching TV. Why don't you just come and sit with dad for a little bit and relax. Today's sermon, um, I'm going to be re-preaching something that I started, uh, uh, something called the apple of his eye. You're the apple of God's eye. And, And something that I did at first Wednesday, if you were at first Wednesday a few weeks back, God did something pretty special that night. And for me, it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I had, you know, we had people in just our small group. You know, if you're not involved in small group, by the way, you waiting for something? It's where the magic happens. Join a dream team where we get to come and serve. You know, when you come and serve your city, you come and serve uh, the church and the house of God, I'll tell you the food that you eat tastes a lot better and goes a lot further. And so some people in our small group were like, that was a life changing night for us. The apple of his eye. When I talked about the difference between an adopted spirit and an orphan spirit. And, um, I had like a grown up trades person in my, in my small group. He's like, I was weeping like a two year old. I went and got your dad to pray for me afterwards. And so it was funny to me though, after, after kind of preaching that, um, I just thought like, oh, I I didn't know that because I've never had to really walk where I'm going to preach today. Um, My wife has had to walk in those shoes most of her life. And so I I know what it's like to walk somebody through it, I guess. And maybe God wants me to preach this because I haven't had to walk there. Sometimes that's not a bad thing because I'm going to show you what's available to you. Um, But I think when God removes that orphan spirit from you, that thing that's always trying to belong in a weird way when you already do. It gives you the spirit of the adopted. It's just going to shift something in your life. Thanks, Sean. He wears that shirt around his wife just to make sure she gets it. It's obey propaganda. It's, it's a shirt. It's a company. Anyways. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, you didn't think that was funny? The ladies are like, I know I should be laughing. Have you ever um, found yourself acting a little bit odd because you're trying to belong in a group? Then you find yourself like sort of on the outside, but wanting on the inside, but not really knowing what to do. And um, I'm a, a biker now. <laughs> it's intimidating talking to other people who are actual bikers. Because I mean, I, you know, I... <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, I don't know anything about bikes and motorcycles, and, but I have it now. And... and um, you know, I go talk to these guys and I'm like, you know, carburation, you know, engine stuff, rotors and what have you. I'm kind of learning this. I don't really know much. I, I, um, I don't know much about cars. And so I just pay people who do. 
Double cars. So I'm trying to, you know, get into this like thing where, where, so I mostly just hang around people and just kind of watch what they do and try to imitate them just so I kind of belong, you know, but I'm never going to belong to a certain biker crowd, but maybe this other biker crowd. And so have you ever acted, find yourself acting a little bit weird trying to fit in to a group that you want to fit into? I think some of us come into the house of God and to the family of God and you start acting all weird because you're trying to belong all the time, but God's like, hey, you already belong. Um, <laughs> I had a funny thing happen. Anybody ever been, uh, anybody, ha have you ever been involved in church league sports before? Like church softball or something and, and or hockey or my, my brother was, um, he was going to a, a Christian Bible college in, in South Man Manitoba. It's like the Bible belts of Canada. And they had this huge floor hockey tournament that was just church people, just church men. And like, how many people know that church people get way too competitive about stuff? Like it's weird. It's creepy. And I'm watching this and I'm like. I say out loud and there's a guy, a young college kid behind, beside me and I'm like, these guys are real serious about this. Like way too serious. Like nobody goes pro in floor hockey when you're 40 in Manitoba. Like there's no league for that. There's no scouts they're watching. Like if you don't, and these guys are getting like chippy and, and dirty and violent. My brother said one time he pulled a guy off another guy cause he was, he stopped him from swinging at the back of another guy's head in church league floor hockey. And this college kid beside me, I'm like, these guys are serious. He says, they're playing for their salvations. I'm like, ah, the stakes are high. I think sometimes you and I, we come into the family of God and we're still playing for our salvations. Yeah. And it gets a little, little weird. Um, Psalm 68, David says this, father to the fatherless. He's talking of God, defender of widows. David would know. This is God who's dwelling is holy. I mean, the prophet Samuel was like, hey, Jesse, bring your sons, all your sons to the party. I'm going to pick a king. And David's not even invited. Was he illegitimate? Was he, I mean, he wasn't even invited to the party. And he's, Samuel goes through them all and he's like, I, I still don't feel like all these guys look okay, but he has to go out and like, oh, well, he's still in the field. We didn't think you wanted him. Anybody ever feel like that? Like, he doesn't belong here. David says, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoner free and gives them hope. And today, I, I think that today's sermon, it's not going to be, I'm going to get done preaching and somebody's going to be like, that is the best sermon I have ever heard in the history of sermons. And I'm going to be like, good. Sometimes you just got to do your job with the body of Christ. And I just preached first Wednesday. I just thought, it's amazing what God can do. But see, I haven't had to bleed for this personally. Because your relationship with God has to do with your relationship with your parents. And if your relationship with your parents is strained or it wasn't what you wanted or they left you alone or they just left or they were addicted or they were angry or, or they didn't love you the way that they should have or you naturally transfer that relationship to God. And I see people who are grown-ups in the house of God acting like, like kind of orphan kids sometimes. And it must be really weird for, odd to, for God to, to invite you into this family and to provide all of these things for us. And, and what you and I have to understand is that you can come into the family and belong in a perfectly good family and still be like an orphan in your brain, an orphan in your heart, you know. Let me ask you this question. Do you assume that somebody greater than you is looking out for you? Do you like honestly just assume that, that somebody greater than you is going to take care of it? You know, there's a reason why, you know, if you met Pastor Richard, I mean, he's got to be the calmest guy in the world, you know. I just knew as a kid that there was nothing that I could do that he couldn't probably fix. Yeah. And I did some stuff that needed fixing. 
There was just something about my relationship with my dad. I just knew that like, if we got in a car accident, he would find a way. He would, if this happened or if there wasn't enough food, he would find a way. If that relationship naturally transfers to my relationship with God. So I didn't really have to bleed to learn what God is going to do in somebody's life today that you've been waiting 20 years for him to do it. And it's going to happen in the sermon today. And it's going to be a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. But I do know what it's like because I've had to help my wife who was a broken girl and had that sort of orphan mentality. And, and I watched it for years and years. And there's nothing that hurt me more than watching God's inheritance ready to go. But she was like, had this struggle for it to land and trying to belong all the time. And I see some people out here. I'm just like, you get frustrated because it seems to come easier for other people. And you're just constantly trying to fit in and you're constantly, but the thing is you already do. And God is going to do something. And, and he's given me, I think the path through for you. I'm going to have some homework for you to do today. Actually, I think you could do it all in the service today if you want to, unless you like homework. <laughs> I hate homework. <laughs> acting out of a spirit of adoption versus just acting out. Sometimes if you have an orphan mentality of Nasia, I stole this from Nasia. She said, it's my, I go to my inner street rat. <laughs> you know, cause she kind of had to fend for herself as a kid. And like my inner street rat, anybody watch Aladdin? That street rat song that he sings around and genies and monkeys and I don't know. It's that inner street rat sort of mentality. You just got to fend for yourself. You just got to make it. It's on you. You know, like you can't depend on anybody. You can't, it's all on you. You know, if, if you don't make it, if you, you just got to watch out for you, you got to survive. And, uh, she goes to this street rat mentality. She says, where she's just like starts panicking and acting all weird. Um, it's the difference between, you know, when you act and think like a, uh, like an orphan, I'm going to mix up orphan and adoption a whole bunch because they're both the same letter. And I said, it's not going to be an intellectual sermon. So just track with me. You know, an orphan wakes up feeling this thing that I've never really felt in my lifetime. And, and because I've never felt it, I think that you don't have to feel it anymore either. It's a sense that I have when I wake up of confidence. Like I know who I am. I know who God is. I know that God is greater than the sin I did yesterday. I, I'm a son. I'm, you know, for you, I'm a daughter of God. I wake up, I can do all things through Christ. Nothing's going to happen today that can overwhelm me by the grace of God because God is greater and God will look out for me and I'll be okay. And if somebody leaves me and if somebody hurts me, I'm still going to be okay because God is greater and God is my father. Versus that orphan sort of mentality of like, oh no, got to be careful of this. What if they, what if my boss, um, how about this? God made a mistake with me. Um, I better quit before I can get fired. I better reject before I get rejected. But the thing is, it's never coming. And God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But the trouble with that is you can. I mean, you get invited into the family, but God's never going to leave you. And the family's never going to leave you, but you can leave. And that orphan thing will move you out. That orphan thing. I just get so frustrated. Sometimes I watch somebody with an orphan mentality who has all the inheritance right there, but it can't land in them. And they just, they leave the race about two yards from the finish line. So often God's just, just about ready to check a box off in your life and get you free. Just about there. And you kind of, and you panic and you leave and you date somebody else and you go to a different church and you. Some of you do need to date other different people. <laughs> it's just that difference that I, I want you to wake up feeling like I feel in the morning. And that was because I had a dad who was just going to take care of it. And it transferred to God, my heavenly father. And I'm like, oh, God is way bigger than my dad. It was just a simple thing, but I want that for you. The orphan spirit versus the adopted spirit. 
Um, when you're broken, maybe you don't think you belong in a healthy family. That's the other thing, too, is like you might be broken. You just don't feel like you really belong here because you look at somebody singing on stage and you're like, oh, they're amazing. But like Bethany's got problems, too, everybody. <laughs> if you're on stage, you are a fair game, by the way. But if you're in, in a group, that, then you come into the family of God and you find like, oh my goodness, this place is great. And God, oh wow. But then you don't really feel like you deserve what everybody else, God, God, it's not about deserving it, it's about God just giving it. You don't feel like somehow you're as worthy as the next person. You have this self-confidence weirdness or you're always trying to compete and prove yourself constantly. It just gets weird in a family. Um, and then you start acting weirdly in the family and then you start realizing nobody else is acting like I am because I'm acting weirdly because I'm trying to belong. But... You know how it is when somebody's trying to get into your group and you're like, hey, just come to the group. Yeah. And then they act all weird to try to belong and you're like, hey, you already belong. Like, you don't have to act weird anymore. Paul says this to the Ephesian church. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. So he's saying some of you are coming into this thing, but because you have this orphan street rap mentality... He's like, you're trying to imitate God, not because you are his dear children, but to become his dear children. He's like, guys, you got to settle that issue first. You already are. You imitate God because you are like God. Because there are things inside of you that haven't planted that belong to God. This is your inheritance now. This is who you are. But you keep trying to keep the house rules in the church or your family. You're just trying to like prove to everybody that you belong all the time. But it's weird because you already do. And you're not acting out of that. You're just acting out. You're acting out of a deep insecurity. You don't really belong here. Then he says, live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. We're like, okay, so what does that look like? Paul says he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. He's saying, guys, you've got to settle this adopted orphan deal because sacrifice to a street rat is real difficult. It's very difficult. You can sacrifice for ambition, but to sacrifice for the good of the family is very difficult if you have an orphan spirit because to be like Christ, well, Christ carried a cross and Christ sacrificed. Now, you're going to have to learn how to sacrifice for a family. And you won't be able to do that because you will have a very small capacity for sacrifice outside of how it benefits you if you come at it with this orphan mentality. See, adopted kids don't struggle with that. When they've, have you ever watched an adoption take place? Anybody know somebody who's adopted kids? We've watched it a couple of times and we have too many kids to want more. God has blessed us with kids. I love, I love it when somebody adopts a child who's, you know, fatherless or doesn't have a father or mother, or they can't take care of them or they don't even want them anymore. And then, and then the courage it takes for a family, for this healthy family to be like, hey, there's more love here than we have people to love. They just look over here and they see this adopted and God sees you outside of his family and he's like, and so the family makes all of this adjustment for this orphan to come in. And so they like give them a seat at the table and they give them allowance and they feed them and they shelter them and they don't treat them different than they treat their own kids. And all of a sudden the adoption, you're just part of the family now. Anybody ever grow up in a family like that? There's a perfectly healthy family. Like it's not perfect because it's full of people, but it's, there's nothing wrong with it, you know? And, 
But sometimes I've, what I've seen happen is that an orphan comes in and they can't make the adjustment because the greater adjustment is for them to make it. Because if you're happy and you belong, it's easy to open up your arms and accept somebody else. Because we love because we're loved. It's easy. It just comes from this normal, healthy place. Of, but some of us aren't acting like that. In fact, we come into God's family. It's hard for us to sacrifice for the next person because we think there's only so many seats at the table. And dad only has so much time. And we think there's only so much love to go around. There's only so much food, man. I got to get in there first. And you come in with this weird orphan mentality and you have to make a shift. God wants to make a shift in your life before the end of the service today, where you shift from this street rat adopted or street rat. I'm going to get it mixed up orphan thing yeah. to this. Like I'm adopted. I belong just like anybody else belongs. It's not, I don't have to compete with my brothers and sisters for anything. I don't have to be better at, to be loved. I am loved. This is great. I don't deserve this, but here we are. And there has to be this thing that, that the shift that takes place, it gets really weird for the people around you. Sometimes you're in a family and there's nothing really wrong with your family, except for you. (laughs) You're still acting like an orphan and everybody got to tell you a million times a day, you belong, you're cared for, you're valuable. That's not normal when you're healthy. A healthy person is like, I know you can stop talking about it all the time. Can we talk about something else? I just want to watch TV. I don't need to hear that I'm loved 57 times a day just because I know something has happened on the inside that I know this. Now we do need to hear it, but not just like constantly like you belong, you great job. You see what happens when you're an orphan. Sometimes this weird little thing happens too. And you'll, you'll start putting this on other people. This is a little bit just you, you start thinking like, well, nobody knows what it feels like to be me. Like I was left alone or I was abused or I was hurt. You get this weird little place where you marry somebody who's healthy or you're with somebody who's healthy or you work for a boss who's actually healthy and you come from a weird unhealthy company and you bring all this weird baggage with you. You marry somebody and then you're like, well, they don't know how I feel. And you spend the rest of your life trying to get them to feel how you feel. But then it becomes this weird, watch this, it becomes this weird thing that you start like hating that it's easier for them than it's for you. But the reality of it is it doesn't need to be harder for you. When God does the shift, it will become quite easy to be in a family, to belong and just do what the family does. But you start getting a little bit jealous of other people that haven't had to walk the path that you've had to walk. And you start looking at them and you start saying things like, well, you don't know how I feel. You'll never know how I feel. And then it's, it's not that long before it clicks into this strange, you know, the only way for them to know how you feel is if they were hurt like you were hurt. And then you kind of wish that that would happen. Like misery loves company and hurt loves more hurt and victims love more victims. And rather than just be like, Hey, I'm glad that you didn't have to go through that. I'm glad you don't know how I feel because that would mean you'd have to go through what I went through. You actually start wishing the worst on people, but family is very, very different. You ready? What family's like, Hey, I know that I suffered. But I'm going to use this suffering for your good. And family looks across the table and it's like, hey, if only one of us makes it, I hope it's you. That's what family does. If I don't make it, I'll push, I'll spend my last breath pushing you forward. I want to make sure that you make it. Family is like, I mean, I had a hellish demonic kind of a childhood. I grew up in a great family, which is, thank God, or I'd have been crazy. But it's like, hey, I don't want, you know, I, I did go through that. And an orphan goes through all of this pain and thinks that God is this father, this absent or standing off or enjoys hurting his kids or something like that. But you don't understand that God was there the whole time. 
And if you hurt, God hurt infinitely more than you hurt because it hurts me when my kids get hurt. And God's like, no, I was there suffering a long time and I sent Jesus to suffer as well. But maybe it was a cross and it was unfair and it was sinful and the devil hurt you. But God can still turn that around for good. And there's no resurrection without a cross. Do these st statements, do they create kind of an odd pushback in you? I think that God is going to fix something inside of you today. I'm going to give you five steps that you can do to get your healing today. It's going to be good. What do you mean? Why doesn't God just heal me? Because you haven't asked him to yet. You know, street rats don't ask for much. Street rats have this idea of like, you should just feed me. You should just do this because that's what you should do. But Jesus is like, ask my heavenly father. If you don't ask, you won't have. In a normal family, if you, I mean, <laughs> some people, they don't have, you know, we had four kids. I mean, if our kids didn't make noise, they'd have starved a long time ago. <laughs> like, like, we're distracted. We're busy. You know, if they didn't like, I'm hungry. They would have died a long time ago. <laughs> when an orphan comes in and they just sit there and they, you know, they're just like this unspoken thing of like, somebody do something for me without me asking because I'm afraid of rejection. Right? But a normal family's like, oh, I need to speak up because they don't know what I need. You know? It was hard for me for years being married to my wife and she's worked really hard. But I expected that, like my mom always spoke up. Like too much. <laughs> she'd tell you exactly what she was thinking all the time. If she was mad at you, she'd tell you exactly what she thought about you. My wife never did in arguments and for years I was like, so, like say something. I just thought that you would. You know, if something bothering you, say something. I can't, I don't know, I can't read your mind. It's just this idea that you're in a healthy family now, so just, that's what we do. We just like, hey, we just need to work this thing out. Here's some statements that might create pushback inside of you. If it is, you know that there's a trigger there that God wants to remove. Because look, it's hard living around people with triggers all the time, and orphans just got triggers and top of triggers. Here's one, God loves you, but doesn't accept bad behavior. That in a normal family is a normal statement. Like, look, we love you, but you gotta stop acting weird. But, but an orphan comes to this place where they equate love with total acceptance. Right? And we're in this place in society now where it's like, accept all of me and agree with all of me. And you're like, but you're not a 65-year-old unicorn. And you're identifying like a 65-year-old unicorn. <laughs> two plus two doesn't equal a million and 47. You know? Well, you don't love me if you don't agree with me. What does that, that agreement have to do with love? See, God loves you unconditionally. He loves you so much that he hates to see you the way that you are because you're a mess. Yeah. Yeah. I love my kids. There's some things that they could do that, like, I'm, I've never hated my kids. Not for one second have I ever hated my kids. And some of you grew up with hate in your home. But it would be really unusual for me to accept everything that they do. God loves you way too much to leave you in a mess that you're in. He wants life and that more abundantly for you. So he's like, here's how a family works. Here's how we got to operate. And God loves you, but he doesn't accept bad behavior. How about this? You belong in his family just like anybody else does. You belong in this church just like I do. You're not going to get put in charge of everything, but <laughs> especially some people. <laughs> no, you do though. Like brother, sister, we're in this together. Yeah, yeah. I'm not better than anybody. I was just chosen for this role and you're chosen for your role. And I'm glad that you're here because we would miss you. Yeah. This competing for affection is weird. Just ask for it. Like a normal child if they need a hug or they just need to feel closer, they're worried about it. They just crawl on the couch where mom is or where dad is. They don't stand in the corner and like wait to be found. That's, that's not, but we do that. We're just like, we're so afraid of rejection that we just don't want to reach out. 
But listen, God has, he'll never reject you. He'll never leave or forsake. Like, but it's, it creates a weird little pushback. You're competing for affection as if there's only so much to go around. How about this statement? No one will pat you on the back for taking out the trash. You're the garbage girl. It's your job. You gotta take, do the dishes, do the laundry. Like that's normal. Nobody's gonna be like, "Oh, you're so, a, you're such a hero," for taking the garbage out. You're just doing your job. You threw stuff in the garbage. You ate on that plate. This is normal. This is just how what families do. You know, you want to be patted on the back forever for doing the smallest things. Like, no, this is just normal. Participation badges, millennials. Come on now. Back when I was a kid, you had to do stuff. All right, we all need help. We all need help. If that creates a pushback and you're like, no, I don't. I can make it on my own. Yeah, you've got an orphan thing going on inside of you. It's going to just limit what God can do in your life. We all need help. Here's, here's something that would be really odd for my kids. Um, when God says, hey, empty your cup. That person over there needs something, empty your cup. An orphan can't do that because their cup is all they got. And an orphan will never go into the reserve tank if they can help it. But God's like, hey, empty your cup so I can fill it. And until you empty it, I can't fill a cup that's already got something in it. And in a family, God will be like, hey, just forgive. Well, I can't, and I can't, and I can't. And God's like, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Sure you can. Well, I can't. An orphan will never give until that last breath. We'll never. We say a life saved is worth everything here. We cannot reach the city if we have an orphan spirit in this church. We just have to be like, hey, I'll pour everything I've got for the one more person. I'll just pour everything. It's worth every drop of blood in my veins, every cent I'll ever make, everything. Why? Because God fills my cup then, and it's on God. You know, it'd be, wouldn't it be nice to not enter every conflict as if it might be the last one? You want to talk about, like, weird street rap. When you're, when you're arguing with a street rat and you're in your family, you've got that orphan mentality inside of you, you're just deathly afraid the other person, it's like, it's going to end if this conflict doesn't go well. Well, in a healthy family, that's not normal. Wouldn't it be nice to do what healthy families do? And they, if I'm arguing with, you know, Katie, we don't argue much because I'm dad and she doesn't get to. But if I'm like in a healthy family and Chad's my brother and we're arguing about something, a healthy family is like, hey, it's me and you, even though you drive me crazy right now, it's me and you, and there's an issue here that we need to solve. Me and you versus the issue. But an orphan is like me versus you, and it's your issue, (laughs) right? Because they can't ever let go of control. No, no, it's me and Chad versus the issue. Let's figure out what the issue is. And we both probably got one, an issue in there. Why don't we just figure out the issue, defeat it, so we don't have to argue about it forever. That's good. Wouldn't it be nice to just roll the dice and let God decide? God's like, hey, I want you to go take that job over there. And you're like, I don't know, I'm under 12. He's like, relax. Just take it. I'll figure it out with you. To let somebody else have your back. Hey, street rat behavioral problems. You ready? Is just acting weird all the time. <laughs> A street rat spiritual problem. An orphan spirit's spiritual problem. Look, you can feel on the outside, you can feel lonely. How many, isn't it frustrating to be in a great small group and feel lonely all the time? Well, that might be something that's coming from inside of you, not from the group. And so the spiritual problem of of that street rat rat mentality, that orphan mentality is, is actually anger. And once you identify that, you might be the calmest person in the world, but it's really deep rooted anger is what it is because you just resent that you were left alone and that you were forgotten. 
or that nobody looked out for you or nobody protected you the way that they should have. You just get to this place where you're just deeply angry and then what eventually happens is because my relationship with my father translates into my relationship with God. That's why it hasn't been hard for me to do that and God has given me quite a heavy cross at times because our relationship is firm and solid and I've never for one second doubted that I was the son of God. I mean, I had to go to hell, but I didn't doubt that, you know. But when you have that orphan mentality, anger is like, and you eventually transfer anger to God, and you've got to be really careful about being angry at God. Like, where were you? And you, that, man, if you're angry at God, you don't get the inheritance. You don't get to get angry at a perfect father. There's something inside of you that needs to get solved. And, and that spirit of anger that the devil's always like making you bitter and angry and offended. God wants to deal with it today. There's an emotional problem. This is my favorite part of the sermon. That street rats have, if you're an orphan sort of on the inside, is that, you know, the rest of us, we kind of feel like we're always talking you off the ledge. You're always on an emotional ledge, you know? It's like, you have an argument about, like, what TV show to watch, and boom, you're off on the ledge again. I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump. I can't do this marriage anymore. I'm going to leave. Come on. Somebody be honest. I can't do this anymore. And... There's this deep-rooted need inside of you because you were forgotten that you, they can never forget you again. So it makes us overly dramatic sometimes and it makes us like want to be the center of attention. And if you're the center of the family, at least you have some sort of control and at least they can't forget you anymore. And rather than get, you know, rather than just have to watch a crappy TV show <laughs> about emotions, or whatever, flowers. You know, as a pastor, sometimes I find myself talking people off the emotional ledge that I'm just not really even sure why they're out there. Yeah. And finally, you know, Chad, my brother, is in the house working, and I'm on the ledge. And finally, somebody's like, you're like, if somebody would love me, they would come out here and find me and talk me off this ledge. But a healthy person is like, why are you on the ledge? Why are you standing over there? You don't need to be up there. I thought you were going to suntan on the roof, and you're on the... What are you doing out here? You just... You just don't want to do the dishes? Sometimes that's, you just don't want to do the dishes? You just don't want to say you're sorry? You just don't want to act normal? Is that, is that what this is about? Yeah, well, nobody loves me. And I, what, are we, what are you talking about? And God is looking at you saying like, we've got to get that, that orphan spirit out and the adopted spirit in. So you just act normal. And not everything is the end of the world and every conflict is, it could be the last conflict ever. And everything's blown out of proportion. We just actually deal with stuff the way the normal families do. I think what God wants to do, because I think orphans have to grow up too quick, and you become adults way too soon. You need to understand that, listen, there are still some times when I'm still my father's son. Where I just ask dad for help or advice. I don't know what to do, dad. What should I do about this? And... Um, you know, I don't ask him like all the time, but there are just sometimes you just need a dad. Right? I want to say this to somebody here. Look, I'll share my dad with you if you need a spiritual dad. Well, I got enough love. Dad's got lots of love to give out. Right, we're good. I think somebody just needs my dad to pray for you today or something. Yeah. Say, hey, I love you. You belong. You're accepted. It's okay. Yeah. Relax. We got your back. It's going to work out. Yeah. You just need somebody to say that, but your dad never said that to you. Some of us are trying to be adults of God instead of children of God. And that gets really weird when God is trying to teach his kids something. You just can't shut up because you're like, yeah, but I already know this. And you rattle off the things that you think that you know. And God is like, I'm trying to tell Katie something that, well, that's a bad example because she knows more than I do. 
But look, it's hard to pastor adults of God instead of children of God because they, they think they have to prove themselves by how much they know. Well, children, do, children get panicky and weird, and it's okay for me to get panicky sometimes and being like, Dad, I just need you to calm me down. I don't know why I'm freaking out. It's just okay to be a child of God. You know, when I pray, when I go to my prayer room, I'm not an adult. I'm not a, a church leader in my prayer room. I'm just like, oh, God, I messed that up. <laughs> Hope nobody finds out about that, except for I have to tell my accountability partner. You know I mean? It's just like this, like, teach me, show me. I'm just here. I'm just glad that you're out walking with me. That's a, I'm just happy to be here, you know? Paul says this in Ephesians, he goes on to say, for once you were full of darkness, he's like, you don't have to live there anymore, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So identify with this. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. As I said, an orphan will sit there and be like, it's your job boss to tell me everything. Well, it's not his job to tell, it's not her job to tell you, it's your job to find out. That's what normal employees do. That's what normal, like, hey, find out if you need to figure out something, find out, ask questions. He says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. For the light makes everything visible. That's why it is said, awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. There's something inside of you. There's a sonship, a daughtership that needs to wake up. Because this orphan has been like sitting on your chest and strangling you. Like you have to know, you got to earn this. You got to know they're never going to, they're going to reject. They're going to walk away from you. They're going to. Look, the only way for the church to reject you is if you leave. But that's not really us, is it? No, like, it's just, it's, just, it's just weird. And God wants to fix something and heal something inside of you. But you've got to give up that orphan spirit. And I'm going to show you, here, here's the to-do list. Come on up, worship team. Here's the to-do list. I feel like we only have two worship team members. Oh, there we go. And Bethany, who I made fun of before. She has to forgive me. Did you know that a fellow Christ follower has to forgive you? Well, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. We have to forgive you. That's how that's the house rules. We were forgiven much. We forgive much. And you're like, well, you don't know what kind of sin. We're like, we don't care. Like, tell somebody because you should. We're like, have you met some of these people? <laughs> and we got problems. That's not, we were a family first. Here's, here's the orphan. Here's that street rat to-do list right now. Number one, you got to stop testing God by acting weird all the time. You know, somebody needs to write that down. Every morning you need to like stop testing God by being weird. You just got to like, look, God put you in this family because he loves you. And you can't belong any more than the first day that you were invited in. You didn't pay for your adoption. Get used to it. Well, I feel like I owe somebody. You do. You do. I owe everything. Of course I'm going to pour my cup out. Stop acting weird about it. It's good to owe your family. You shouldn't test the Lord your God. There's only one place in the Bible where God says, test me, and that's giving the tenth back to God. He says, try it out. It's like an investment. It'll work. But every place else, he's like, don't test the Lord your God, man. How many more Jesus would he have to sacrifice for you to know that he is love? You got to stop testing God's love for you, man. You just got to, like, accept it. Number two, stop resenting your cross. Everybody's got one. Look, I have a cross because God loves me and he thinks that I can handle it. And it's hard and it's heavy sometimes, but if I don't carry a cross, you don't get a resurrection. I'll carry it as long as I've got to until you. Stop presenting your cross. Nobody's singling you out. Nobody's trying to hurt you. That's just what sons and daughters of God. Jesus had a cross. I can carry a cross just like Jesus did. Number three, 
remove permission from the spirit of anger. You gave it permission to be there. You have to remove permission. You just got to give it up and be like, no, spirit of anger, you're from the devil. You're not God. You're not going to, this bitterness and anger is not going to be a part of my life anymore. Lord, rebuke that spirit of anger in my life. In Jesus' name, I'm going to have a spirit of peace and I'm going to have a spirit of gratefulness and joy. Look what the Lord has done. In a year from now, you're just not going to be that angry, bitter person anymore. You got to remove that spirit of anger. You need to apologize to God on people for just being angry all the time. It's hard being around angry people. You don't need to be angry. Number four, you need to have the prayer team today pray over you and speak belonging over you. Somebody has to do it for you. You belong because you still don't think that you do. Somebody has to be like, you belong here. Come on, prayer team. You belong in this house. You belong in this family, just like I do, just like anybody does. Stop it. Stop being weird and stop saying all that other stuff. The last thing you got to do is you got to give permission for people to call it when you start acting like a street rat. It's going to be like just a teenager. Dude, relax. Relax. Somebody in our small group said, I hate it when somebody tells me to calm down. Calm down. It's going to be okay. You need a hug. Man, you just got to get permission because you don't see it when it's coming. You don't see it. It's all built into your survival mechanism. You don't see it. Somebody else can be like, dude, you start to get weird again. Oh, come on, sweetheart. Just relax. God will work it out. And if you live with orphans, this is what we need to teach them. If, if you were lucky and God gave you this adopted spirit right, for, right out of the gate, we need to teach them this is how we act in this family because we are loved. No, you can do this because you are loved. Because God loves you and believes in you. Because he thinks you can handle it. This is how we act because of. We're not trying to act to belong. We already do belong.